So welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast for my last episode of 2021. Considering I've only done eight new episodes this year, uh, I wanted to play my most popular episode of all time. And this one is Kyle DeFore, who actually is a friend and a professional firearms instructor. So I interviewed him back in 2017. And still to this day, you know, I was doing a podcast every two weeks for a few years. And then after 28, midway through 2018, I had to scale it back. But I only did eight new ones this year, and I think I had one rebroadcast as well. But Kyle still, since I started my podcast in 2016, I think, he's still the most, this is the most downloaded episode. So I went through, I cleaned it up with all my daggum whisker words and repeating myself and pauses and ums and all that. I tried to clean up some of it, then of course recorded this new intro. But if you're not familiar with Kyle, uh, look him up. I've got the web, I've got his uh, website and his Instagram account. But it's D4 Performance, not Performance, Performance. That's just that's him. You know, he just wanted to do something different. But he's uh, he's a funny guy. He's a great American. I mean, this this guy served our country full time, uh, or served our country for ten years, and now he serves because he tra- he trains. He's a professional firearm instructor and, and trains our a lot of military and law enforcement, and he does civilian classes too. I took his scoped rifle class back in 2017 and loved it. I uh, learned a lot. It wasn't just scoped rifle. We did some combatives. We did some blade work. And Kyle is the man I go to for gear reviews most most of the time. If I need any questions on, on weapons, on EDC, on cold weather gear, he is a great one to ask. Just, to, just look at his Instagram. He posts things all the time about different gear that he uses and his EDC. Also, um, if you're a, a Harley man, uh, he has a Harley, and he talks about, he shows how he customizes it and the companies that he supports. He's a big-time American company supporter. big part of this is how he prepared for the military, and not the military, how he prepared for buds. We both grew up in, in the same small town. This is pre-internet, as he, <laughs> as he definitely describes, and how he found out about it, and how he did his research, and then how he figured out how to prepare for the water portion of buds. Kyle has his own personal PT test. <laughs> One of those is he's got to be able to do at least twenty pull-ups. When I interviewed him, he could he could only do about eighteen because he had an injury, but I'm sure he's easily well over twenty again. He shares that there is a blade template for a dog, so he thought he was going to have to use it when he ran thirty-four miles for a fundraiser in my hometown back in twenty. 20- Back in 2015 or 2016, he had a dog after him, and so he had a blade on him. He was ready to use it. Kyle is a, he's unapologetic. He is a great American. He's a friend of our families, and he's been a big supporter to us since Mark's death. And I've tried to figure out why is this the most downloaded episode. Now, it's good. It is. No, no, no doubt about that. But I think Kyle also has a loyal following, and so people... People will travel all over the, the country to set, take his class. When I took his class in 2016, his scoped rifle course, I'm sorry, in 2017, I was the only person from Alabama in the class, and the class was held in Alabama. And there was one guy from Georgia. Everybody else flew, was from Missouri, Pennsylvania, Boston, Utah. They flew in from all over, and these guys, most of them were repeats, and his classes, at least for civilians, fill up extremely fast. You've got to be watching for when they go live, you've got to re- register ASAP. He knows what he's doing, and if you're looking for someone to train you in firearms, look at his website because 
there are there's definitely a few guys that I would recommend, but mostly because they're people that Kyle recommends. If you can't get Kyle, then you can get somebody else that he recommends. And if you follow him, you'll know who those people are. So I hope you've had a great 2021 to bring in 2022 strong and set those goals and, and achieve them. And thank you for listening to my podcast. I've been going at this now since 2016, I think. I didn't go back and check, but I believe May of 2016 was my first episode. And, you know, I don't make any money on this. I do this just because I love it. And I've wanted to stop it many times, but I haven't because I I just like doing it. I would love to do it more. Shoot, I'd love to do it full time and be able to make a living off of it. But that's just not what's happened. And I haven't I haven't made it a priority like that because I've, I have other priorities in my life. And so this is just something that I enjoy doing. I do it when I can. And I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Hopefully you make it past this intro and get to the good stuff because you don't want to hear my voice. You've already heard it for way too long right now. Appreciate all the support. Have a great year and enjoy the interview with Kyle. Kyle, it's great having you on my show, Patriots of the Core. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, So I wanted to talk first about your life growing up in the Ville in Northwest Alabama and, and why you even, like, when did you decide you wanted to go in the military and when did you decide you wanted to be a SEAL? How did all that come about? Yeah, uh, well, as as you kind of know, because I don't know if the listeners know, but me and you are from the same town, so we're, we're both from Haleyville, Alabama. Um, you've got the inside scoop. Um, so, I, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, um, pre-internet, I guess we would call it now, um, I, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. So I think most of us around that area, that northwest Alabama area, we were going to do probably what our parents did, you know, which was, uh, you know, maybe go to college. I don't even think going to college back then was a was a hundred percenter. But I think most people around our age were going to college uh, when they graduated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then generally, I think, you know, getting a job in some way supporting the, the manufactured housing business because that's kind of what we had there, you know, yeah, right. um, quote-unquote mobile homes. So, uh, I mean, that's what my dad did. You know, that's what our almost our town was built on, whether guys did lumber to support it or they did, you know, furniture or whatever. It was all to support that industry. And, um, you know, I, I was kind of like, man, I don't know. And, you know, I wanted to go to college to play football. That was that was my deal, you know, when we were younger, you know, junior high into, I guess, 10th, 11th grade. And I, I was decent, you know, pretty decent football player. And that's what I, you know, because I think when we grew up there, you know, it was like Alabama Crimson Tide or Auburn. And that's what you, you know, that was your, I guess, people you looked up to. So um, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Alabama and play football. And um, I think as I got closer to graduation, um, I guess, you know, looking back on it now, kind of reality sits in and you're like, well, that's not probably going to happen. Because uh, various reasons, probably talent was a little bit of it, and size was probably a bigger piece of it. So they didn't once appreciate I your speed, that, I don't guess, did they? Because you were fast. No, I mean, you, yeah, yeah, I was fast. I've, I've said that, you know. I think our, you know the interviews before or whatever. I mean, I was, I did pretty decent in track, and I think I had like a, I think I was running a, I don't know if it was tenth or eleventh grade. I was running like a four or five forty. So. I was, I was definitely fast, but um, I think I only weighed like 150 pounds or something like that. So, um, 
everybody, you know, any college that even remotely talked to me was a Division three. You know, that's no scholarship. That's basically, you know, I think where they do like a help you with tuition or something. And and then um, I, I had talked to in uh, Northwest Al- or UNA North Alabama. You know, Bruce Cheatham. Remember him? He yeah. went. Uh, he was a year before me, and he was a defensive back, and he went there. And so he kind of like opened that door up a little bit. And then, I, you know, the, the Brian Long had gone to UNA before, way before me and you. And, um, you know, UNA was Division Two, And I was like, well, I don't know. I was kind of like, I want to go to UNA. I want to go to Alabama. <laughs> and um, so I think I just realized that that wasn't going to happen. And, and you know, you got to be a realist a little bit. I mean, uh now, looking back on it and knowing what I know now, you know what I wish I'd done? I wish I'd walked on in Alabama. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I talk to people nowadays, and it's like, um, and even, you know, you look at, like, Dabo Sweeney. You know, that's, like, a big one now, yeah. you know, because he's the head coach of Clemson. A lot of people don't real, don't know. I remember Dabo. I remember going to see him when we were kids, you know, going to Tuscaloosa and watching him play, and he was his story is, like, you know, he was a walk-on. I think he was on the scout team for his freshman and sophomore year. And then he got a scholarship, I think, like his junior and senior year. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he was like five foot nothing. A white, he was a white receiver, if I'm not mistaken. He was either a white boy receiver or a white boy defensive back. You know, either yeah, one. But yeah. Bizarre. And, you know, five foot nothing, hundred nothing. And, and you know, that that's kind of the stuff I look back on now, I guess, kicking myself in, in the tail end going, damn it, you know, should have done it. But um, So that's kind of like growing up, you know, besides the normal hunting, fishing, riding motorcycles, you know, swimming at the swimming pool, golfing at the golf course, you know, our normal hangouts back when we were kids. I think it was about my 11th when I was in the junior. I, I wanted to go to... And I, and I don't know the exact dates, and I've said this before. I need to talk to, uh, I need to talk to uh, Brookie Pulliam because she'll probably remember. You know, um, when the, um, whenever, whenever we had that deal, when you're like a junior, where they tell you like this is what you should do for, you know, in life. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the big, whatever conference for students. You know, it's like a, you know, they bring everybody in the colleges, the military recruiters, and all that stuff, and. So I remember kind of getting in my mind, I wanted to go in the military and do like, you know, wanted to be not, not a normal military. I wanted to be like an SF guy. Cause that's all I knew back then was Rambo or whatever. Yeah. And, um, I remember going to that thing and, you know, all the military recruiters were like on the side in the, in the cafeteria. And, uh, the army dude was like this gigantic fat guy. And I just was like, <laughs> Oh my God not impressed you know i mean which you know again looking back on it you're like there's nothing to do with anything in the army but um and he was like i was like hey i want to go in the s i want to be a green beret blah blah i had never heard of the rangers i had never heard of a combat controller i'd never heard of a seal never heard of a pj all i knew was was green beret and um i was not impressed with him so i just went down the line you know I was like, Marine, eh, eh, you know, soft little metal jacket. I was like, eh, maybe. <laughs> you know, I think the Marine guy, like, went to take a smoke break or something. <laughs> and the Navy dude was there, and he was, like, super chill. And um, he's like, I remember he had that a TV. This is so weird because I didn't remember this until just now. 
that he had like the TV with the, you remember how you put the VHS cassette in the, in the bottom of it and it would yeah. play? It was like yeah, a little mini in. TV. Yep, built in VCR. And he was playing the SEAL recruiting video, which uh, it was called Be Someone Special. And it was, you know, the same recruiting video from like 1962 to like 2005 or something. You know, they, they just recently changed it. And, um, you know, I was like, that, you know, look at that. You know, that's kind of cool, right? So, um, who would ever, I'd never heard of that. I'd never heard of a SEAL. So, um, I saw that, talked to him, and of course, you know, the normal, hey, yeah, you can go right there, <laughs> all that deal. So, um, I, I just, with, with that, I was kind of interested in it. So, um, from there, I went and started you know, investigating it and researching it as best I could, which is probably for a lot of listeners pretty weird to understand that this was 1990. Let me think here. Let me get my years right. This would have been like 92, I think. Yeah, early yeah. year, junior year. Yeah. Yeah, so like 92. There's no, you know, here's what you had. You had a library. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> there was no, there's no internet. There's no, there's nothing. And, um, and I found the movie Navy Seals that Charlie Sheen was in. I watched that and I was like, eh, you know, even back then I was like, eh, a little bit hokey, but okay, got it. And, um, what kind of, and I don't think I've ever said this in an interview, but this will be interesting because my mother will remember this is there, we had a teacher at Haleyville and I cannot remember her name now to save my life, but she was a, she would, when we were in high school, she would have been like a, uh, elementary school, I think maybe fourth grade. Uh, Chambers, Mrs. Chambers. Do you remember Mrs. Chambers? I don't remember Chambers, no. I think that was her name, Mrs. Chambers. Chambers? Was it Chambliss? Chambliss. It might yeah. have been Chambliss. I know Chambliss. I had her, my One brother had her. Well, she ended up marrying, she got divorced, you know, and she married a guy by the name of Ken Graves. And he was a Vietnam SEAL from, like, SEAL Team 2. And, you know, I of course, I was telling my mom and dad, hey, listen, I think I'm going to go in the Navy. And, you know, they're like, you want to be a what? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> nobody back then knows what a SEAL is. You know, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I, and I, my mother has told me before, you know, you get obsessed with something as a kid. And that's, you know, that's all they hear. And, of course, we can probably relate to that now because we have kids. But. I don't remember like like that, but my mom does. And um, she, I think she like said something casually to somebody at the school because my my mom worked at the school. We got to update the listeners here. My mom worked at the school, so um, you know she like mentioned something to somebody, and somebody was like, "Yeah, Mrs. It, it, whatever her name was, Chambers or Chambliss, whatever. She's married to a to a guy who used to be a seal." And I remember, you know, my mom coming home going like, "Hey, I got some good news," you know, and. Um, so I went over there and talked to that dude, and uh, man, I will never forget it. It was it was wild. It was you know because he was you know he's a full on Vietnam frogman, and they lived down. Um, I'll tell you where they lived was uh, the road that's in the curve across from Banks Barbecue, whatever that road was. You know, you yeah. can go down that road. Yep, that goes out but to Miller's uh, Seafood. Is it that one you're talking about? Yep, that's yeah. the one. That That's the one that goes to Miller's Seafood. Correct. They live down that road somewhere. And uh, anyway, so I went and talked to this dude, and that was kind of like, now it was get, getting kind of a sealed deal. Uh, no pun intended. Because, <laughs> um, you know, he was like, just the way he was, he was kind of a hard guy. Um, 
you know, I was just impressed. I mean, he had to be at that time. At that time, he was probably 60-something years old. And, um, you know, I was like, man, that's what I want to, that's what I want to do right there. And um, so that's kind of how it started. You know, I know that's a, probably a long-winded explanation, but that's that's how the whole growing up and thing kind of kind of got going. Okay. So then it seemed like you were really committed because I'll tell you what I remember. You know, you were a grade ahead of me, but we had a class together. I believe it was Trig. And I remember you talk. Well, first of all, I saw you running around town all the time. And the roads of Haleville are not the most runner-friendly. And, you know, <laughs> no wide shoulders, no no wide roads, really. And uh, But you ran all over the city, all over the town. And then also I remember you saying the senior trip was an annual event that the seniors went on to Washington, D.C. and New York. And uh, so it was about yep. a, a week. You'd be gone for a week. And so this was your senior year. And I remember you saying, I'm not going on a senior trip. I can't go that long without running. Or, and then you joked, like, I could get out and run behind the bus, I guess, for a while. But am I remembering correctly? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, uh, once I got into it, I was like, and I think I was just taking all that athletic motivation, you know, from track and cross country and football. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be a football player, but I'm going to be a frogman. And, you know, yeah, we started, I started working out and, um, what I, what they do is back in those days, you would, you know, I think, I think it was Mr. Graves that gave me the info and I, I literally called, which again, a lot of listeners right now are not even going to know what we're talking about, but you picked up a phone with push button dials and you dialed zero and you got the operator and you're like, please connect me to, you know, Naval Training Center, Orlando, Florida. And, um, you know, back in them days, the Navy had three boot camps. They had Orlando, San Diego, and Great Lakes. And basically you went to the boot camp for where you were from in the nation. So obviously we were from the South. We were going to Orlando. If you were from like, I think it was, you know, the plain States westward, you went to San Diego, everybody in the North and the Midwest went to, went to great lakes, went to Chicago. So I knew I was going to go to Orlando. So I called down there and I talked to the seal on duty, which looking back on it was freaking bizarre, but I was like, Hey, you know, I want to come be a seal, which I'm sure he took that phone call a hundred times a day. Yeah. And I said, what do I need to do? And he sent me in the mail, of course, because there's no email. <laughs> so it was like a package. And it told you, like, here's how you get ready for bud. You know, this is what you need to run. This is what you need to swim. This is how you need to work out. And I got that, I think, when I was in, oh, God. I, it probably would have been sometime in my junior year. I don't know when. I can't remember when. But, um, but yeah, so by the time I was a senior, you know, I sacrificed a lot of a lot of things. I mean, I quit football in my senior year, which, you know, there was a there was a lot of people that were not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, and yeah it, I remember. It wasn't just my dad, and it wasn't just my mom. I mean, I, I remember, you know, a lot of the coaches. I mean, I got pulled into basically every athletic office down there, you know, and basically told, hey, do you know what you're doing kind of deal. And I said, well, yeah, you know. And, and it was funny because I think – I don't think that would happen nowadays. I don't think, I don't think parents and or administrators would would you know they'd be like, look, kid, you you know, you can get a D three ride or you can get a D two ride or whatever because even track I could even I probably you know maybe it would have been for football but maybe track because I was doing pretty well in, in state meets but um anyway um so I yeah I didn't go to my 
the senior trip, you know, again, for, for us, for where we're from, that's a big deal because most kids have never been out of the state. Uh, you know, maybe we went to Birmingham a couple of times or something when we were mm-hmm. kids, but, you know, we did that annual senior trip and we busted up to D.C., saw all the, uh, you know, or this is what Haleyville would do. They would bust all the seniors to D.C. and they would check out the Capitol and, you know, Lincoln Memorial and all the, the normal tourist stops, and then they would bust them to New York City, and I think they would see a play in the Empire State Building and mm-hmm. Statue of Liberty, and kind of the normal, right? And then they would they would drive it back. And that was kind of a big deal because, again, back in those days, the seniors would phone call in to the school, and we would all be sitting. If you weren't a senior, you'd be sitting in class, and the seniors would, would say, hey, we're at the Empire State Building. Yeah, you know, they, you're they like, play oh, on the radio. God. Yeah, it was played on radio because I was like, you know, and, and people are probably listening to this, going, "Where the hell are you guys from?" <laughs> we're from the we're from the southwestern tip of the Cumberland Plateau. Yeah, we are from go. the middle of nowhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I I didn't go on my senior trip, and that my mom was my mom was pissed about that. I'll tell you right now, she was not happy. Um, I didn't go to prom when I was a junior, which. You know, my mom was not happy about that one. Um, I went as a senior. So, yeah, there was definitely some sacrifice. I would tell anybody that's listening to this, you know, if you're a young kid and you're thinking about doing this kind of thing, I, I you don't need to do that. That's probably a little extreme. I mean, I could I could have went on the senior trip, you know. Not a big deal. Go on, go on your senior trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go to your prom. Uh, just delay going to boot camp, you know, by – a couple of months to get, you know, if you can't run for whatever it is, you know, a week and a half or whatever. But I look back on that now again, and I, I probably would do it different nowadays. So you shipped out not long after graduation. Doesn't seem sound from what I remember. You go to Montgomery. You end up. You, I don't know where you go from there, but if you can just because I know you got you went to blow up buds pretty early, and I'm curious too. Was that common to go to buds at 18 years old? I think that's how no. We um, so I go to, I can't remember in, in Alabama, we go to school. It's not like, I think we're actually a little bit different than a lot of, a lot of other states back in them days. I think we, we started in like what September, first week of September, something like that. And I think we graduated like mid May or something. Is that, does that sound about right? Mid May. Yeah. 18th, yeah. Somewhere around there. Yeah. 20th, I don't know. Somewhere around there. And I went, I, I left at the end of May. So I think I had a week or so before uh before i went to boot camp which was a which was an impressive week in itself if i remember correctly um because there was this i was like man i'm going to the navy i was like every girl that i ever wanted to ask out i think i asked every one of them out in that week <laughs> week and a half and the funny thing is is like half of them said yes so i had a real problem hey well one um, of those girls i remember her telling me about you going get in the hotel in montgomery and it's like you you wore the carpet out just from doing all the push ups, you know. So instead of any time you you had any downtime, you're just doing push ups and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to fail the PT test, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I went. I think you know it was the end of May sometime. I can't remember. Um, I was in Navy. I went down to Montgomery. That was where our processing station was. And I'd been to Montgomery a few times because that's where the state track meet was every year. So I kind of knew the area semi well um but went down there they bust us from montgomery to orlando florida started boot camp i can't remember the exact i think it was may 29th you know don't don't quote me on that some, somewhere in there but yeah right after graduation 
and I had set all that up. So, you know, when I was a senior, I had basically set it up so that I knew that the source rating that, or quote, the job that I was going to have in the Navy would be a job that the SEAL teams would recognize. And this is kind of talking over a lot of people's head probably, but nowadays we don't have that problem in the SEAL teams. It's, you're, you're called a special operator, but, but when I came in, you, you had to have a job in the Navy, whether you were a torpedoman or a bosun's mate or a signalman or a quartermaster. Now, if you went, if you passed buds, you were never going to work in that job. But you had to have a job where, where if you failed buds, which is obviously that's the percentages, you know, seventy eight percent fail rate. So you, the Navy had to have something you could do for the next four years. So um, I went to Orlando, went to boot camp, and and I thought boot camp was the greatest thing ever. Personally, I mean, or especially in Orlando, guys that have gone to Orlando can tell you. I mean, it was it's eighty degrees, ninety degrees. You know, it's like perfect weather, and probably the best thing about it is that's where all the girls went. So if you were a girl coming in the Navy in the, the, those days, that's where you went to boot camp too. And girls did not go to Great Lakes back then and they did not go to San Diego. They only went to Orlando. So um, hmm. I thought it was the greatest thing I had ever experienced in my life. <laughs> it was like, you know, there's women everywhere. Um, everybody's in decent shape because, you know, you're having to run and I mean, even the standards for the normal Navy back then were halfway decent, you know. And everybody's young. Everybody's 19 or 20, so. Um, and so I guess so you I have that. a shaved head. Everybody, you you stand out, right, when you go out in public. Yeah, but there's no going out in public. Okay. Yeah, you don't. Okay. When you're in boot camp, you don't leave. Yeah, so it's like, okay. I don't know, Navy boot camp's like eight weeks or something like that. Six, maybe. I don't know. Eight weeks. Sounds about right. You know, you, you learn Navy stuff. You know, nautical stuff. You learn how to. You know, as 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 the old uh, saying goes, fold clothes really well because you have to. You know, everything has to fit in your sea bag and underneath your 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 rack on the ship, um, which I never experienced, thank God. But um, so I don't know. It's something like maybe halfway through boot camp. You know, they ask uh, during one of your little PT exercises, physical training exercises. They say, "Hey, does anybody want to volunteer for a special specialized unit called EOD?" Uh, UDT SEAL team or Navy diver. And, uh, you know, like, no kidding, everybody raises their hand. Every male raises his hand. And um, so they pull you all aside. You do the PT test. There was, uh, I think we had something like 30 people who volunteered for the SEAL teams back when I, in my class, and we had two of us that passed the test. Which, looking back on it, it was that test was really not hard. I mean, I could pass that test right now. You know what I mean? Like, not hard at all. But uh, me and this other dude passed it. So they're like, okay, you know, they, and it, it's kind of like good or bad, however you look at it. Um, right at that time, once you pass that test, that's when kind of you, you, you already get segregated and it's already kind of a specialized thing. Because they're like, okay, you guys passed it, so here's what's going to happen. Every day that your boot camp class does marching or does their version of, of PT, you guys are going to come to me and, and PT with me. And this is the guy that's the SEAL that's there. Uh, you know, he's assigned there. So that was kind of cool. So me and this other dude would, would run our happy little butts over to the pool and, uh, you know, swim, run, and work out with the SEAL who was getting us ready for buds. So you shipped out, I guess you went to Coronado. Is that right? 
Yeah, so I went to boot camp, um, and I got down there. I had to do, like, I went to a school there in Orlando for, like, two or three weeks, and it was a torpedoman school. Um, I don't even, I don't even think I finished the entire A school because when you had orders to buds, I think they just made you do like a certain piece of it. And it seems like it was three weeks and, um, and yeah, I went to, so I was in Coronado. I was in buds and let's see, I would, it was the end of August, beginning of September. You know, I graduated high school in like May, end of May, 1st of June. And I was I was no shit in Coronado, end of August, beginning of September, same year. <laughs> so I've wondered. Uh, I mean, I know you grew up swimming, uh, so did I. But how did you prepare, or did you for buds? Like, was there a place you swam in Hateville? Did you go to the city pool and swim laps, or a pond, a lake, or or what? Oh, you you don't you don't know the story? Uh. Uh-uh. I thought I I'm not, I I might have never told this. I don't know. I don't know. I do so many interviews, and you know, it just who knows. I just whatever people ask. But, okay, so it's actually a pretty good story. So here we go. So when I get, as I said earlier, when you get that packet from the guy who says this is what you should be able to do, here's what the test is that you're going to take in boot camp. And I read it, and it's like 500 yards, no fins, and you have to do the underwater recovery stroke. That's the only stroke you can do. You can't do freestyle. You can't do anything that 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 stroke. That stroke only. So first off, I'm like, what the hell does underwater recovery stroke mean? Yeah. So, of course, I call the guy back. I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, listen, kid, it's the side stroke, except we don't, we keep our head, we put our head underwater. So we, when we turn our head, we can breathe. So we're basically, we're not angled in the water. We're more, you know, on plane, if you will. So I'm like, okay, kind of get it, but okay. So what I was doing is I was swimming there at the city pool in Haleyville. And um, if you remember the guy, uh, Kyle Rushing. Yeah. Remember him? Mm-hmm. He ran like like that um, that facility up there, whatever it was called, the, the neighborhood facilities building, I think it was called. Yep, that's it. It was like our, our version of a YMCA for everybody that's listening. And we had a, uh, there was, it was a 50-meter pool, but it had a wall in the middle of it, so really only like 25 yards of it was, was actually good. And um, they would let me go in there and swim pretty much any time I wanted to, even when it was cold or whatever. So I was I would go up there and I would get my laps in. But I realized, like, I would time myself with a stopwatch. And because obviously it was 25 yards wide, I could figure out, you know, how many, what 500 yards was. But And I was not making time. And I'm like, whoa. You know, like the run, no problem. Push-ups, no problem. Pull-ups, no problem. Sit-ups, no problem. Swim, big problem. So this is where mom comes in. So everybody that's listening, don't don't yell at your mother. Your mother your mother knows sometimes. So my mom is like, she's, she goes, okay, here's what you should do. And she goes, you should go swim at the University of Alabama. I'm like, okay, mom. Like, how am I going to do that? And she's like, well, I'm going to show you. So she picks up the phone and calls down there. Same deal. Dial zero. <laughs> connect me to the University of Alabama, you know. Uh, you know, can I get the pool, you know? So my mom had remembered an article that came out in the paper that when Alabama, when the university rebuilt the swimming pool, I think it was in the early 90s, you know, obviously it's public money. And um, my mom called down there and said, hey, look, 
this kid needs to learn how to swim. Can somebody down there, down there teach him? This is what he's trying to do. And um, the coaches were like, absolutely, we can do that, no problem. And I remember my mom, I'm watching my mom on the phone, and I'm like, they, they can, what? How do they know, you know? Like, okay. So because my mom worked at the school, and this is where this whole thing is, this this most bizarre story in the history of time, but, you know, I varsity lettered in the ninth grade for football, and I varsity lettered in the eighth grade for track. So I had... Like, I didn't have to go to PE my senior year. I had, I probably didn't even have to go my junior year. You know, I had plenty of stuff. Huh. Yeah. So, I had I had enough credits. I knew I wasn't going to college, and I didn't have to do PE. So, technically, I was done about noon my senior year with school. Like, like classes. Like, whatever it was. Trig, English, history, you know, whatever. I can't remember. Whatever we took back then. But I remember getting done at, like, 11.45 or noon. So, my mom talked to the principal whose name at the time was Mullins. I don't know if you remember that dude. Oh, yeah. yeah but uh, definitely. that was the guy who was the principal. She talked to him, and she uh, she talked to Coach Ashley, who was the assistant principal, and she's like, listen, can he go you know, to Tuscaloosa when he gets done and swim? And they're like, yeah, whatever. We don't care. You know, He's out of school. You know, that's fine. That, that could basically be his, his quote-unquote you know, PE. So every day I would drive. When I got done with school, I'd hop in my car, I would leave the high school at like noon. I would drive to Tuscaloosa, which was probably what is it, an hour, hour and a half, hour and a like half, that. yeah, yeah, hour and a half. Cruising down in go... the, the silver Saturn, <laughs> is that what it was? Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had like uh, I either had the Honda Prelude or the Saturn, whichever one it was, you know. And I would uh, go down to the university, and um, the first so the first time I go down there, the the two coaches that were there, one was named Sonia and one was named Ray, and um, both women and I show up and I walk in and um, I'm like, Hey, I'm looking for Sonya and Ray. They're like, that's us. I said, listen, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get really good at swimming the side stroke, no fins. And I need to be able to do this amount in this amount of time. And, and this is a God's honest, true story. I swear to God. One of the two, I can't, I can't remember of them apart now, but Sonia Ray looked up at me and said, oh, are you going to Bud's? And I was just like, I was just like, what? I was like, well, I'm trying to, yeah. And, um, and they said, yeah, we, um, one, of our, one of our All-Americans here just graduated last year and, and went in the Navy, and he's, he's in Bud's right now. Like, he's in the Navy. He's in, he's in Coronado right now. And I'm like, you've got to wow. be kidding me. You know, what are the chances? So they knew, and so, so you got to imagine, this kid is an all-American swimmer at Alabama. He is, you know, obviously him learning the underwater recovery stroke is not a big deal, but they knew it because they had watched him do it so much. So they yeah. knew how to teach it to me. So they taught me how to do it, and I swam for, you know, I can't remember. You know, we maybe asked my mom, she might remember, I don't know, but I, I went down there. I mean, I put I probably put twenty thirty thousand miles in that car. I mean, you know what I mean? Because I went down there daily. I went down there at least three or four times a week. Because I knew that was the weak point. And um, and again, you know, that's a lot of sacrifice to be seventeen, eighteen years old. I wouldn't. I don't. I mean, I obviously nowadays you probably don't need to do it because there's more working out facilities and stuff like that. I think available. But uh, those girls down there, they got me real squared away. And again, as an eighteen year old boy, it you know. Being at the University of Alabama, 
with their swim team um, <laughs> was not was not a bad deal no. at all. No. Um, I, I mean, like, not a bad deal. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, a sidebar to that story is, you know, three or four years later when I was at SEAL Team 2, I met the guy who Sonia and Ray had trained. He, me and him, we served together at SEAL Team 2. So awesome. kind of cool. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of came full. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what's the chances, right? Yeah, I, mean, uh, I had no anyway. idea that's what you did. I, I've wondered if you broke into the city pool at night, or if you, you know, went out on a you know, Bear Creek, or what you did. So, yeah, because you, you gotta. The biggest thing is you gotta you gotta understand how to do that stroke efficiently. Because, um, and a lot of people always ask, why don't you guys just do freestyle? And enemy's just not. Freestyle is just not a, something that's going to be done normally. Um, obviously, when you're swimming across the beach or whatever, you know, on a real world type thing. So that that's the reason we do that stroke. Um, but yeah, so that's the story, man. That's that's how I learned to swim, basically. Okay. Well, I wanted to ask you too, and I may have my terminology wrong because I'm not sure if it's different in the Navy. But in the course of your training, before I think before you're assigned to a team, you went to Sear. And I want to tell you a story. I remember when Mark went, and I don't know, did y'all go to Washington for SEER, or did y'all go somewhere else? Now, I didn't, SEER, SEER training is not in, was not in the pipeline for, for SEAL team when I, when I came in. Okay. You went later. Like, after you were at your SEAL team, you would go. So you would either go to Maine or Washington. Okay. Um, you know, and then, and there's different levels of that, too. So, um. I have been through all levels, <laughs> so um, I didn't go until later, though. I, I had probably been in the SEAL teams, you know, a couple, three years before I went. Okay, so you're you're a great person to ask this question, man. I remember Mark telling me at one point they're doing, I guess it's interrogations, and so they're asking for volunteers, I think, and so Mark just raised his hands like, I'll volunteer, you can interrogate me and torture me, and so they jumped on him and said, you never, ever volunteer if you're held captive to be interrogated. So I just wonder, is that what y'all taught? They they taught you and, and why is that? Well, I think the thing is, is that, you know, if you volunteer for something like that, obviously you're looking for one of two things. You're either looking for a way out of the situation or you're looking to control the situation, right? Or maybe a combo of both, you know, but yeah, that, how would that would not be a, that would not be uh, something that I think any any seer school is going to ever recommend that you volunteer <laughs> for anything when you're captured. I mean, um, you know, <laughs> it, we kind of joke about it now in a morbid way, but I mean, it's kind of true. I mean, with with our current enemy situation, here's it, you know, seer training is not that hard because you're going to get your head lopped off. So, I mean, it ain't, you know what I mean? If you yeah, get captured, right. you're, you're done. So, I mean, you get humiliated uh, by have, being. Naked, they strip you down naked in front of women, right? So that's your, that's nothing. Yeah, like but your I mean, like, off. you know, for uh, I mean, I yeah, it was not like it, it, honestly for us, that's kind of more and and Mark too, same with PJ. So like, all the all the guys that have been through a hard selection course, I mean, like it, you know, Sears school is just check. You're just checking the block. You're just like, hey, we yeah, we have to do it, so we go, you know, whatever. But I mean, like, yeah, it's stripping you down in front of a woman. I mean, most of. <laughs> I don't think the reaction that they got from the frogmen was probably what they want. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nah, it was not, you know, 
not a big deal to me. <laughs> I think it was more for most of us. They were like, do not touch the instructors, you know, do not touch the instructors. You know, that's what I remember about serious school. I mean, it was not, it was such not a big deal, you know, like there, I had a day at buds. that was harder than all of serious school together. You know what I'm saying? Like, what was it? It was just not like any day. I mean, there's tons of them, you know what I mean? Okay. Like, you know, cause bud, I mean, it's like, you know, the Discovery Channel shows you what they want to show you, you know, what the Navy wants to show you. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, you know, like they, you know, instructors out there get get physical with you in Coronado. I mean, they're not, like, hitting you in the face or whatever with a closed fist, but, I mean, they're going to, you know, move you around and whatnot. And then you got to remember that you have to do all these things because, if, you know, if they say, hey, you know, go get wet and then come back and give us, you know, 30 push-ups or whatever well i mean if you can't do it then they'll you know they can just they can just say hey failure to perform this is not this is a guy who he's just not in shape enough to do this you know they can do that hmm. so so you know what i mean like it's in seer school is more of trying to trying to do a learning thing really try to show people like you know i guess a little bit about uh, you know a little bit of hardness but i mean I, i'll be honest with you like seer school is not because what can they do to you? They can't. They can't really hit you. I mean, they, they can open hand slap you, but it's like okay, whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's not. That's just not a big deal. I mean, you know that they're not. I mean, how long are they going to make you go without food? A week? <laughs> you know it's okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, I went without water for a day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's <laughs> like you know you're in a training environment. You know it, it, you know what is this, this, they're not going to do anything that, that's that hard. It's more of a. And it really should be looked at for the student too as more of a, a learning environment, like because those are lessons learned from POWs in Vietnam and you know World War Two, and uh, that's kind of where all that stuff comes from. Buds is more of you know, hey, we're gonna, you know, do, first off, can you perform? Number one, number two, uh, even though you think you can, we're gonna break you down a little bit, um, and that's and the whole it's all built on the fact that you want to be there, you know, you want to make it through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Sears School is like, hey, we're going. It's not like it's a, you know, Sears School doesn't have a, I don't even think it has an attrition rate, <laughs> you know, like 1% or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, probably not a lot. But, uh, I mean, I just remember we were very, like, most of us were like, okay, this is it. It's not really a big deal, you know? <laughs> like, but, I, but I, you know, probably a lot of that's akin to going through buds, you know, because you're kind of, obviously, you get kind of hardened up, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Probably Was there... Look at things a little bit different. Was there ever a day, a moment in Buds where you thought about quitting or wanted no. to quit? No, never. never. I mean, and that's the thing is when you talk to guys that have been in it, I mean, like, all the guys that I know, everybody's like, oh, fuck no. You know, there's no way I was quitting. That's not happening. Like, it's just not happening, you know. I, I think that, I mean, I've heard a couple of dudes say, you know, like, yeah, there was days I wanted to quit. I'm like, really? Maybe that's maybe that's why you didn't do good, too good when you got in the teams. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's, no, I never thought about that. I mean, now there were days where I was like, you know, they would throw in that two timed runs in a four day period kind of deal, and you're still sore. You know, there was there was definitely days where I was like, damn, I don't know if I could beat my old time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there was, but that's more of a performance thing. You know, you either. You go as hard as you can. You either can or you can't do it. I mean, and you know, if you didn't do it, they'd beat you a little bit or whatever, get you cold. But um, no, I never, I never thought about quitting. I mean, 
No. Yeah, I mean, I, I fed I fed off the people that quit, and we had a rough we had a rough hell week. You know, we one ninety nine had a we had a rough we had a winter hell week. I think our, our hell week was like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was either last, end of January, beginning of February, one or two. So it was it was not you know everybody's like how cold can it get in Southern California and it's like hey man, very <laughs> that's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've heard the water, the water the is water, definitely cold. Yeah, the water, I think, is like 55, 60 year-round, so it's cold anyway. And then, you know, you throw in some 50-degree air temp, 40-degree air temp, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got some you got some issues. But, but, yeah, I mean, I fed off that. I mean, most of the guys do. You know, you talk to any of the guys like me that, you know, we've been around for – I mean, I don't really consider myself a – you know, all my friends did 20 years. I only did 10 but even like as a ten year guy, I mean like all the dudes that were around when I was around, you know, you look back on it and you're like, God, you know, like I mean, I would go through buds again. I mean, you probably physically couldn't now, but like it would just be fun. You know, there's no <laughs> thinking involved really. I mean, it's like you know what I mean, like show up on time, put out, don't you know, don't quit, uh, which is you know, you've already developed that attitude, so that's not really a big deal. You know, and it's like you get to play in the sand in Southern California. How hard is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of like, I, I think that's the way a lot of us think nowadays. Cause some you, people make it a little more dramatic than it is, I think. <laughs> yeah, you, maybe you should be a motivational speaker for, for kids thinking about going to the Navy. That, that'd be good. Yeah, the problem, see, the problem nowadays is they're recruiting triathletes. That's the problem. And And these triathletes, they don't. You know, this is just my opinion based on what the Navy is trying to do to try to up the graduation rate at Buds, which has never worked, by the way. It hasn't worked since 1962. You know, they tried to get rid of winter hell weeks. That didn't work. Graduation rate stayed the same. You know, they've tried to recruit triathletes. Graduation rate stays the same. I think it's just a program that, you know, it has unscrewed itself along the way, one, because of the longevity. You know, it's... uh, Realistically, it's about seven months long. It's I think it's twenty six weeks of training, but then you got like two or three weeks on the front end and the back end. You know what I mean to get all your shit together before you guys start. You know, uh-huh. um, so it ends up being like seven months. So I mean, you can be the biggest running god of all time, and I've seen it. Everybody's seen it. Everybody had it in their butts class, you know. And those guys, you know, seven months of that is a long time, man. You know, if they if they had the perfect formula, they wouldn't need it. You know, the selection courses, right? That's kind of what we say nowadays. It's like if we could, if we could impart our wartime experiences on on a kid in buds, you know, we could make buds shorter. We could make it easier because we could test for what we're looking for. You know, but we can't. There's that doesn't exist. You know. Yeah. And buds is not a. It doesn't mean anything sometimes anyway i mean there's guys that have done great in buds they went to their seal team they did great um but you know maybe when they got overseas they didn't do too good for whatever reason there's various reasons so there's no you know that's kind of the ultimate thing when it comes to this game is it's there's no uh you know if we had a usb port in our neck that we could plug all this info into we wouldn't we wouldn't need experience anymore would we that's right yeah you know what i mean at some point in your career, you you got you're able to try out or apply for another East Coast team. 
I'm just wondering, you know, what can you say about how are you able to be, you know, what did you have to do to get selected for the, you know, quote, I guess, research development test and evaluating team? What was that process like and how much different was it than what you'd already been through? Well, I mean, you know, that's, that is, uh, that is not like Bud's. I mean, Bud's is like, you know, kind of beat people down a little bit. You know, you're, you're in the military 100%. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's hard, you know, from, from a lot of different aspects. Whereas, you know, this type of selection course you're talking about is more, there's not, people aren't yelling at you. People aren't making you drop and do push-ups. You know, that's not what they're doing. They're going, hey, here is what we want you to do. Go in and do it. If you can't do it, then you're not, you're not what that place is looking for. So, you know, I don't want to, I would call it professional, you know, um, you know, you need to be able to perform at, at that level. So, um, you know, to get there, everybody, you know, the, the guys that are there need to kind of quote unquote in, invite you. And then when you get there, you have to pass another six month selection course. And, um, that one's a little different, not only in the aspect where I'm talking about, it's more professional than it is beating a guy kind of thing. Um, you know, there's also your peers, your peers do a lot of, they might say, Hey, we don't like this dude. We don't trust him. You know, whatever, whatever it could be. Um, that has a big impact in it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lot of people might refer to that as good old boy network. And, um, and it definitely is, and there's a reason for that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, definitely, there's, it's not a, it's not as high as a, a, a attrition rate as buds, but um, it's definitely not. There is not 100 percent of the people who started it are graduating it either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's probably probably more like it's probably somewhere like 50 percent or something like that. I would say 50 percent graduate, maybe maybe as high as 70 percent graduate, whereas opposed to buds, it's you know, you might get 20 or 30 percent of, of the class to graduate, maybe. It's it's very impressive when people make it through the training that that you have in your life. Has it come at a cost? I don't know, maybe physically or family-wise, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I, I think I may, you know, I probably would do the high school thing different, you know. Of course, it's easy to be a 41-year-old man and look back and go, hey, you know, this is what I should have done. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, if there's anybody listening to this now, they're not, you know, I mean, same as me, they're not going to listen. They're going to do what the hell they want. I mean, you can try to advise them. But I, if I had to do it over again, I would probably go to college first because, um, I mean, it didn't really affect me and it, my career in the teams, and it did not affect what I do now. But that's, you know, it's a different time. That was 20 years ago. Nowadays, it's almost expected. The college degree thing is almost expected. And it's even almost expected even of our enlisted guys. You know what I mean? Guys, are they're not going to be officers. They're they're enlisted. But it's kind of like, believe it or not, the majority of our enlisted guys have college degrees. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, I would probably, if I had to do it over again, I'd probably do that. Um so I'd say, yeah, that that was definitely that was a little bit of sacrifice, right? Because I'm not. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to go back to college now. <laughs> you know, I think family-wise, I mean, I think I missed my I missed my grandmother's funeral. 
you know, I missed my aunt's funeral. I missed my uncle's funeral. You know, stuff like that. You know, looking back on it, you know, I was never, you know, I didn't have, the, you know, my kids came about later in my career, so it wasn't that big a deal. But then, you know, there's always, you know, probably I look at things different than normal people, which, you know, it may be good, it may be bad, I don't know. But I, you know what I'm saying? Like that probably, there's probably definitely a little bit of sacrifice there. You know, like whereas I'm sure that there are other men who will do something a certain way and I, I'm not going to do it that way, you know, and it, that might get old after a while for the family or you or your wife or I don't know, you know, it's, so yeah, there's probably a little bit of sacrifice in there physically. I mean, you know, flesh eating bacteria that almost killed me. That was not a good one. That um, was in buds, right? Yeah, that was, yeah, that was really not a good one. Um, you know, I had a real bad hip problem. Um, probably midway through my career that Navy of course wanted to operate. And I was like, no way. And I ended up, you know, fixing it by going to a chiropractor and, you know, changing a lot of things I did. That was definitely an issue. Um, you know, I got hit with one IED in Afghanistan. That was definitely, you know, definitely probably got some, some issues off that. A couple of what they refer to now as hard landings in helicopters which is kind of funny, huh. you know what I mean? Like pre nine eleven, it would have been a crash. Now it's referred to as a hard landing. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, you know, I think I have five hundred plus free falls. So yeah, I mean, there's probably a little bit of physical, but I think the problem is, you know, you you, you get so used to living with that pain, you're like, it's not really pain. I shouldn't say that. I don't want people to miss like I'm walking around in pain. I'm not. I'm not walking around in constant pain. I mean, it's definitely like you can feel the there's some wear on the body. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. Like <laughs> there's definitely some wear on the body, but I try to just keep a decent PT program now and, and try to keep everything moving. So well, you know, I never right. got shot. Yeah, I mean I'm doing all right. I just hey I ran thirty five miles a couple years ago. So. I know. I know and you <laughs> can still do bad, uh <laughs> you can still pop out. How many pull ups can you do? I know it's over at least twenty six or twenty eight straight. Right. Right now, uh, not that many because you know I tore my, um, I tore the top part of my pec, and you know the the the, I guess the middle part of my trap that's on top of my shoulder. You know, a few months ago, and I'm just now coming back from that. Right now, I'm probably do about, I'd say eighteen. I mean, normally I'm good for twenty plus, no problem, but. But man, when that happened, uh, you know, I couldn't work out for like eight weeks, and it was just like, man, Ouch. coming back from that, yeah, it, it's been that happened around Halloween of of sixteen. So I'm still, you know, here's here's something for the listeners: don't, you know, don't ever stop PTing because it don't get it does not get easier. I'm gonna tell you that right now. And when you get hurt. You know what I mean? Like the recovery time when you get older is just, it's its so much longer. doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. The recovery time is just longer, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, so probably like 18 right now, which is kind of like, I have self-standards. You know, when you can't do 20, to me, you're like, I'm like, damn it. Yeah. I can't even pass my person. Kyle's personal PT test. I'm <laughs> failing right now. <laughs> well, on a good day, I get 10. 
know how much better I'm going to get get than that, which is okay. But yeah, that's pull-ups, man. They are. That's an awesome workout. They're tough for me. Yeah, they are. I mean, it's a. I mean, you look at like professional climbers, and look at how many pull-ups they can do. And you know what I mean, like like strength, right? Yeah. You know, which is a good example, like. You know, this is kind of a little humility, right? You know what I mean? You're like, I'm in the military. I can do 20 pull-ups. I can do 25. It's like, hey, dude, go hang out at, <laughs> go hang out like in a, you know, Yellowstone <laughs> at some of the famous <laughs> climbing routes and, and go talk to some dudes. And yeah, they'll be knocking out like 40. <laughs> you know what I mean? Good like, grief. And that's their warm up to go do their route. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> So, uh, you know, hey, man, just as long as you're doing it, you know, numbers are not that big a deal. I don't, I mean, to a, to a point, but, you know, 10 is good, man. If you can do 10 pull-ups, I don't care how old you are. You can be a little kid. You can be 25. You can be 45. 10 pull-ups is, is pretty decent. That's pretty good, man. Well, they're, you know, they're pretty strict. You know, there's no kipping, and I, I think you're the same way. I think yours are the regular strict pull-ups. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I don't, that kipping thing is not, those are not pull-ups, you know, no matter what a CrossFitter tells you, those are not pull-ups, <laughs> you know, Cross, CrossFit, or what we like to call it, military boot camp, but, you know, with <laughs> sugar on top, I mean, you know what I mean, somebody marketed military, Marine Corps boot camp and Army boot camp, and Bud's and Ranger School, and they marketed it, and they, it's called CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, and it's gotten huge. I wish I had yeah, I wish I'd have thought of it. Yeah. yeah, I know. There's so much I'd love to talk to you about. I know now, well, for the listeners, I mean, you, you mentioned you ran 35 miles nonstop. I mean, just so they know, you, you did a fundraiser and you ran the route that we walk every year to represent Mark's age. You ran it almost two years ago now. And so yeah. you, you had you had to, an escort part of the time to help you at some different intersections. But I remember thinking... He's going to get chased by so many dogs. I mean, because there's so many. We're out in the country, and we have dogs follow us all the time. But we'll have a group, you know, of 60 guys, so we don't really get attacked. But they um, plenty of them follow us. But you, you, you managed to not get bitten by any out there in the country. Yeah, it was only that was only one spot that was bad. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was like it was where we went through, like uh, uh, you know. I think it was the Aunt Jenny Johnson area when you come when you come back out on two forty three, I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> and uh there was the you know, yeah, these dogs came out of this yard, but I had my blade on me, you know, and I had already you know, mindset wise, I was like, Okay, any dogs that I'll give I'll give the owner one chance and then I'll do a template on that dog, you know. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a blade template for a dog, you know, to kill a dog. So I I had my I was running with my blade the whole time because obviously I'm not I'm not gonna run thirty five miles with a pistol. Yeah. So, um, there was, yeah, that one area right there. And I was like, man, this is bad. And I was, you know, you're like 30, 28 miles into it or something like that at that point. And I was like, I can't run faster. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, <laughs> I'm going to outrun the dog. You know, that's not going to happen. Um, so yeah, but I, I was like, get your, and the dude was on the porch. And I was like, Hey, get your dog. And he called it back. So it wasn't a big deal. But <laughs> Well, that, yeah. that, that was awesome you doing that, man. When we were we were on about mile twenty, I'm gonna say about twenty six, and I called you, and you were sitting on a plane in Birmingham, ready to fly back home. So it was just incredible, man. <laughs> you, you, 
Um, well, I told everybody, I, I, I appreciate you inviting me down to do it. And I was like, I would have walked it with you guys. I just didn't have time. So I figured, <laughs> well, I, I'll do it, but I'm going to have to run it because i got to be back at work. <laughs> That's pretty funny. No time, so you just run it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to, uh, in closing, Kyle, you are now, I mean, by the way, there is so much, you're all over, you know, you're all, all over the web and um, plenty of videos of you, uh, you're a professional firearms instructor, so so will you just explain what you do now as your profession? Yeah, so what I do now is um, I teach, you know, basically one of about four things to, to the military, uh, law enforcement, and I do civilian classes as well. I do, you know, probably a dozen to, to maybe 18 civilian classes a year all over the country. So I teach pistol, um, carbine, scoped rifle, uh, you know, or sniper type stuff, uh, CQB, and um, that, that's kind of it. You know, those are the big four, you know. Um, and I've been doing that. I, I formed my own company in 2010. So this is our seventh eighth year of business and um we make the majority of our money from the government you know i i have a bunch of military contracts that and i have some guys that work for me so that's where the majority of our money is made um and you know it's kind of it's good i mean it's you know i i did the best i could in trying to find a a a way to make a living off off what i had done for you know the time i was 18 to to 30 years old so <laughs> uh, there's not a lot of choices out there um <laughs> and i didn't want to deploy anymore so um so that's what i do now and uh it's it's doing pretty well yeah we're all over the place so i'm sure people can google my name and get way more of me than they want yeah i look forward to attending one of your classes i mean and, and you're also a i know you're a rock climber you're a ultra runner what else do you do um I mean, I haven't, you know, the last ultra I ran was, was for your brother. So I haven't, I just, I kind of do maintenance runs. I do, you know, I probably do three or four, four or five mile runs a week right now. I haven't climbed in, in forever. I do an urban climbing class for the military and, and law enforcement where, um, you know, we, we've come up with ways to climb buildings with, with gear and without gear. Uh, that's actually one of the kind of the side, uh, classes that I offer. So most of my climbing nowadays is in an urban area, which uh, is actually a lot more dangerous because hmm. a lot of times we can't have rope. Um, just you know, it's just the nature of it. You know, really, I mean, I would say I, my motorcycle is probably my outlet, so to speak, when I'm not working. Even though I really wouldn't call my work work, you know, um, it's kind of like having fun. But right. but yeah, ride ride a motorcycle. Um, you know, I enjoy riding. So I ride all over the place. Um, I ride to jobs, you know, as long as they're not too far, you know, from wherever. You know, I don't want to. I wouldn't ride from coast to coast probably to do a job because I, I just, you know, wouldn't physically be able to make it back to the next job in time. But, but if it's within, you know, a few hours, twelve hours or so, I generally hop on my bike and go. So, <laughs> other than that, man, just you know, hanging out, raising kids, and you know, enjoying. You know, as somebody told me the other day, they said, uh, and I used this the other day on a blog post because I never thought about it myself, but somebody said, hey, man, you've done a good job of never having a real job. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I never really thought about it like that, but uh, okay. You know, um, and, and I, you know, 
I, I you know that that's again that's a, you know somebody says that to you they're obviously they're, they're probably right you know I, I probably I probably don't I probably don't appreciate it as much as I should but I mean really every day I get to get up go and shoot guns and I'm generally going there and coming back on a motorcycle or maybe you know on a plane like today or whatever but it's kind of you know a little bit of travel in there and it's kind of a good good deal man I I I am definitely appreciative of it and um and I I I enjoy it right now man you're you're a great American Kyle I really appreciate you spending some time with me and um also just you know thanks for your service to our country and now what you do you know for our law enforcement and military and us civilians too i mean i i would i look forward to taking one of your classes and just great american so thank you very much anything you want to say in closing well i mean i appreciate those are very nice words man i i am a as i've said before i'm a small spoke in a very large wheel um you know uh, there's tons of people out there who have contributed to me and my success and you know i could i could probably spend another hour plus just going naming people that you know even from our hometown that you know maybe they don't even know they influenced me you know uh maybe i didn't know until later in life i uh, enjoyed my military service i really did you know and i got out at 10 years and there's you know probably every other day i was like damn i should have done 20 you know but uh <laughs> So uh, it was my pleasure to do that. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, I lost a lot of good friends along the way, um, but you know, they they you know they died well. That's what we call it. They died well. They enjoyed what they did. You know, and so that's what I try to do now is just kind of honor them and keep uh, keep on showing the people who need to know it what I've learned in in twenty plus years of doing this. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on here. It's an honor, and uh, you you reached out to me very quickly after mark was killed and you know you and i hadn't talked and you know since you were in high school since you graduated so um i appreciate you doing that too and reaching out to me and and telling me you knew some some controllers as well and you know the caliber guys they were and anyway you you there's there was a lot of exchanges back and forth and so much appreciation on that absolutely man that's a you know, unfortunately, we've been we've been touched with a lot of uh, a lot of death on on our side since the war. But uh, you know, it's hard when it's from a small town like me and you are from. You know, and I, you know, definitely wanted to give you and your family a call because that's it's odd. You know, it's not like uh, it's not like being in Fayetteville or Coronado or Virginia Beach. You know, where unfortunately guys are getting killed all the time, and you know the community kind of hardens to it. So, yeah, man, I was. Uh, you know, glad to hang out with your dad, your mom, and your family when I came in. That was cool seeing everybody again. Oh yeah. You know, no matter you know, everybody will agree, man. We can't can't have a good war without a combat controller. Because <laughs> <laughs> because when when stuff gets really 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 bad, you're like, hey, we need a big bomb right over there now. <laughs> hey, you see that tree line over there? It needs to go bye bye. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the thing, man. People just don't, you know. It's hard to it's hard to explain to people. You know, like you know, medics and combat controllers. You know, they do not get they do not get the appreciation they need and they the the credit they deserve because uh, you know they they saved a lot. I would not be alive. I'll tell you that right now. I would not be alive if it wasn't for some combat controllers. Hundred percent. So awesome. I, I appreciate your brother and everything he did and the sacrifice your family made too, man. That was, uh, you know, that's, that's a huge deal, but, uh, it's good. You know, he, he, your brother died well, so. 
Yeah, yeah we did. appreciate everything you did. You sure did. Well, thank you. Till next time, Kyle. I'd love to have you on again, maybe sometime later on down the road. Anytime, anytime as well. And we'll see you uh, when I'm down at uh, at uh, the Scope Range in Alabama, man. You got to come by. I'll be there. Thank you. Thanks, Dad.